Hey, what do you say we do another three-point range? Think we should do that? Okay, we're going to do it anyway. This is Mike Berardino, joined, as always, by the scout, Kimball Crosley, and uh, the professor, Tim Crothers. And also, I think we should start with the professor because um, I'm thinking of Anthony Lynn, who was... Uh, who was in the professor's crosshairs in an earlier episode and immediately lost his job, and now it's happened again. What is going on, professor? Well, you'd think if anybody on this podcast would be dubbed the Grim Reaper, it would be you, Mike. Yeah. Or, you, know, you sh basically should be wearing a black cloak and carrying a sieve. <laughs> I wait all until the it's... <laughs> you've celebrated during our time together. <laughs> but, but I will admit to a knack for foreshadowing the demise of sports executives. As you said, first it was LA Chargers coach Anthony Lynn, and now my latest victim is Colorado Rockies general manager Jeff Breidich, who I, you probably remember, lambasted on this very podcast months ago after he traded franchise foundation Nolan Arenado to St. Louis for big league pitcher Austin Gomber plus four, and I used that term loosely, prospects and then paid the Cardinals $50 million on top of that. Breidich, air quotes, resigned on Monday, leaving behind uh, a raging dumpster fire at Coors Field. It seemed fitting some that on that same night that Breidich departed, Gomber started and took the loss in a 12-0 drubbing in San Francisco, during which he threw one and two-thirds innings, allowed seven hits, four walks, and nine earned runs. Gomber now has a 6.65 ERA in five, five appearances, including 19 walks in 23 innings. Of course, it isn't fair to put a final grade on the Arenado trade for, for several years because we don't know how those, and I use this term loosely, prospects will turn out, especially because we haven't even had the benefit of evaluating any minor league performance during the, per, the per pandemic. But when determining a preliminary trade grade, we do know that Breidich acquired no minor leaguer higher than the number eight prospect in a pretty mediocre Cardinals farm system. Now, I admit I sympathize some with Breidich, who I believe was likely the victim of a trade made back in 2018. At that time, the Mets dealt two legit prospects, Jared Kelnick and Justin Dunn, to the Mariners for Edwin Diaz and Robinson Cano. Kelnick and Dunn were both first-round draft picks and top four prospects in a pretty stocked Mets system, and both have done nothing since to suggest that they won't contribute to the Mariners for years to come. Meanwhile, Diaz and Cano have been disappointing at best and suspended for PEDs at worst. That Kelnick-Dunn deal can be looked at, in my view, as the anti-Arenado deal because the prospects would appear at this stage to far outshine the established players. And ever since that deal, it's become clear to me that no MLB GM wants to be accused of being Kelnicked. But now we have the case of Breidich, a cautionary tale that shows GMs simply can't survive being gombered either. Now, obviously, Kimball could add brilliant insider insight to this discussion, but I sense a mute button being pressed in Florida right now. So, Mike, you were a baseball beat writer for many years. Is this as simple as future Jeff Breidich's finding a middle ground between a Kelnick who you can't get and a Gomber who you shouldn't take? <laughs> uh, I, uh, 
I don't have that much to add to this because uh, I could barely pronounce the man's name uh, properly. I have a 50% chance of getting it right, the guy who just resigned. But uh, it, I'm vaguely aware that Nolan Arenado didn't just sign that massive deal, but then didn't play nice with this guy who just resigned. And then now, as I think through intermediaries, it's my general sense from headlines, uh, that uh, in the as the uh, reportage is going, that he's still taking pot shots at this guy, and I, and it's just another example that maybe even in baseball, a superstar can run a franchise, and and uh, it's very difficult to have the final say in anything, even when technically of the final say. I think I'm also struck by the fact that the Monfort family uh, kind of has a checkered history there in in Colorado, and there's sense that again that some of that stuff this guy who i can't pronounce his name his hands were tied at times because uh i believe it's dick monfort uh is uh is the one who uh still likes to you know put play gm so anytime you have an owner playing gm you got problems i don't uh i don't really have that much to offer uh, beyond that i will say that i have seen the one thing i can say is that thad levine who i covered uh with the twins and is very impressive guy, very impressive baseball guy and great people skills and has uh, passed with the Rockies, knows all the key players and ownership. We got his start there with the Rockies. I think he would be uh, foolish to take that job. It seems like a very difficult situation, not just because they play at altitude, but because of the personalities and the ownership and, and that division, which we can't get too far into, but, uh, uh, Kimball's team loaded and will remain so, and the Dodgers loaded with everything uh, will remain so. And so if I'm Thad, if I'm Thad's agent, stay with the Twins. Stay number two with the Twins until you get a better situation. He's already been reported in USA Today as being the, the front runner for that job, and I think that would be a, that would be a mistake. So that's uh, unsolicited advice. Okay, so uh, but well, again, I'll answer, I'll answer yeah. my own question. Go ahead. It seems like there's a there's, if there's a trend at all uh, in that middle ground between Kelnick and Gomber, lately it seems to be that uh, the guys GMs are willing to trade are guys who, brought, who come up, have a cup of coffee, don't prospects, you know, big time prospects who come up, have a cup of coffee, don't immediately get it done. And then the GM decides, okay, I, I can send them packing. And we've talked about two of them before in that single trade with the Rays and Chris Archer when uh, the Pirates traded Austin Meadows and Tyler Glass now off of you know just a, a tiny bit of sample size uh, and not, not being stellar and then said, okay, we'll, we'll take advantage of what prospect shine they have left. And they went off and, and did very well. And then a more recent example is just this offseason, Kimball's boy, Luis Patino, uh, who um, you know came up last year finally and was okay, but nothing special as a middle reliever. And they decided to package him up and send him off to Tampa for uh, for Blake Snell. That, if there's any any trend in my in my view, and I again I I d defer to the the muted one on this one, but. Uh, it seems to me that that's that's the the middle ground right now. That those guys those guys are the ones that are getting moved uh, to pick up the the big ticket item, and and it certainly didn't work out 
that <laughs> at all for uh, for the Pirates, and uh, we'll see how it works out. Hey, for I the, just for the Padres. I, I think that all the audio you've just provided has been has been very in depth and probably uh, you know well beyond the range of most of our listeners. But I just think that I'm reminded the video potential of this podcast is in you talking about baseball, especially the Padres at any point, and then Kimball looking as though he had just swallowed a goldfish. And I just think it's fun <laughs> to just look at Kimball. And I'm just, I, we should, I just want to give people just a little play-by-play. He, is, he couldn't be more uncomfortable right now. because <laughs> he, He's even slinking, slinking back away from his webcam. <laughs> it's not just that he's muted. He's sort of trying, trying to hide, hide from his own webcam. It's not even a video podcast. So this is this is where this was the missed opportunity. It, now we're in baseball season, and we're going to have an executive session after the show, and we're going to discuss how we can just 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 ramp this up in a different way because that's that's the that's the that's the comedic gold right there is is Kimball trying to stay out of something that could get him fired anyway. We're, um, and, and I think he did beautifully. He did beautifully because I don't think he said a thing about it. All right, let before we get any more. Uh, before we get any more into that, uh, those uh, sh- those waters, those deep, deep waters, let's go to Kimball for point number two. Let's talk some baseball, some safe <laughs> baseball. All right, uh, we're not going to talk about individual players or teams or you know things like that. But I do want to discuss this, and it sort of dovetails off what we talked about last week when we talked about new rules in baseball. And one new rule we didn't—I don't believe we mentioned at all. But it's this seven-inning game thing that happens in doubleheaders, and we had it last year. But that was always like, you know, because of COVID and the 60-game schedule. Well, we've brought that into this season. And, of course, we have now some controversy last week when Madison Bumgarner pitched a no-hitter in a seven-inning game. And then there's all this talk about, well, is that a no-hitter? Is it not a no-hitter? And I don't even know what to do with that part of the argument because – you know, it's it's like pe- people act like, well, where's this going to be? You know, if, if we if we call it a no hitter, I mean, do, do you guys regularly look at the list of no hitters anywhere? You know, like what makes it official and what makes it not? So he threw a no hitter for seven innings in a complete game and double hitter. Okay, fine, that happened. But the bigger concern I have, and my point is, there should not be seven inning games at the major league level. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And I will say that I will talk to baseball there and and make that point because it's it's really silly. And you know, a lot of people don't know maybe that minor league uh, minor leagues have had seven inning double headers and seven inning games for a long time. And you know, I think it's perfectly fine there. Well, one of the differences is because the minor leagues is about development. There's no one really that cares too much about these players, you know, whether they finish first, second, or third in their division, when they win a championship. And so, you know, you have seven inning games and you try and protect the players if you have a, a doubleheader or something like that. And you have limited rosters in the minor leagues. It's not as simple to just call a guy up. You know, very few teams are going to adjust their roster just because, oh, you've got a doubleheader tomorrow. We're not going to make a switch. And so you're really pushing some kids. And, and it doesn't matter. And even the fans there are there to really see, you know, the prospects and, and young players more than they are like what happens in the game and the standings. 
But in Major League Baseball, of course, that's not true. And now I can already hear Mike maybe saying, well, well this is inconsistent. You know, uh, you, you seem to be in favor of the runner on second in the 10th inning to, of an extra inning game. Oh, yeah, that's you, right. Which, yeah, which goes against, you know, traditions in baseball. But to me, it's not so much about traditions because I do think – it's not like – I don't think traditions make sense if if you can improve them. And, like, we talk about why not keep some of the traditions in football when we had all those rule changes. Like, let's go back to some of the things we did. Let's let's be traditionalists. No, to me, it's not about tradition. Why I believe in the runner and second and stuff like that. It's about, you know, preserving competitive balance while also making the game, you know – entertaining for all of us and what we want. And I think the runner on second does that. It can, it's still fair for both teams and fair for the league. One of the teams is going to win that game. Um, but when you reduce a game to seven innings, that's an advantage to both teams because one of the great things about baseball, and we've touched on this briefly, is you can't just say, no mas, I give up. You know, I'm behind by eight runs in this, you know, the sixth inning. I don't want to pitch the seventh, eighth, and ninth. I don't want to waste a pitcher to throw a guy out there. You know, no, you got to answer the bell and throw those innings. And and when you have a seven inning doubleheader, um, you you give a team a break. You give both teams a break there. And now they're not playing the same schedule. And I guess theoretically, one team could say, you know, win ten seven in games over the course of a year, and and they're better in the standings than a team that actually had to win nine inning games. So I, I think that alone is a reason that it's ridiculous. I do think it's it's just baseball is meant to be played over nine. There's a rhythm to it. There's there's some sort of I feel like like things the way things balance out. Like you really got to earn it over nine. Whereas I think over seven different things can happen. You know, same thing as if you had a really short, you know, uh, NFL game or or uh, NBA game or college basketball game where you just said like it's a lot easier to beat a team in thirty minutes than in forty. Um, so boys, what do you think of that one? Tim? I think, I think nine innings itself is pretty random. I mean, why not, why not just eight innings or 10 or something? I mean, why, why nine innings? Uh, the, the, uh, you know, the baseball back in the day, I'm sure you guys know this being baseball historians you are, uh, Back in its early days, they used to just play play to who got to twenty one runs first. That's a that would be fun. Yeah. Uh, I think the reason they changed to, went to nine innings is because sometimes that took it took a little bit too long to get to twenty one. Um, but that's a fact, and uh, and so uh, you know I do think nine innings is, is a bit random. Eight would seem to be a more even number that maybe we could go to, proving that I'm not the traditionalist that you might think I am. Um, because I do think nine is, is a bit long. Uh, I just can't get used to seven innings. I just, I just keep looking, looking at, at, or watching games and it's the sixth, the sixth <laughs> team has their closer up. And I'm like, what is going on? Why is the, why is their closer up and warming in the frigging sixth inning of this game? And then it strikes me. Oh my gosh. This is another one of those abysmal seven inning games. Yes. I can't stand it uh it's it's weird it's it's wrong it's not a real baseball game uh and it yes it it should be done away with immediately um period end of story go ahead mike 
And yet it feels like there'll be a better chance they shorten all the games to seven innings before they would admit that one of their silly little proposals, uh, their experiments was, uh, was somehow a bad idea. I mean, it's just, we're just on a slippery slope and it gets, it gets uh, more depressing by the week. But you know what popped into my mind there? Because Bumgarner had the, uh, the uh, mini no-hitter or whatever they're calling it, but uh, non-official. But remember David Palmer way back, and I owned David Palmer's uh, Rotisserie League, right? Chapel Hill Rotisserie League. And I remembered marketing him to people, some of our less savvy owners, as the man who had thrown a perfect game. I'm like, how could you not want David Palmer? He threw a perfect game. He was a five-inning perfect game, uh, rain-shortened. And even worse for David Palmer, who I never got anything useful for in those trade talks, um, no matter how many times I called my friend Don. Um, the David <laughs> David Palmer had that perfect game, rain short and perfect game from 84 to 91, and then they changed the rules on him, and they, they, they wiped out all kinds of uh, games that were too short to be uh, immortalized. So I don't know. This is, um, uh, yes, Kimball's being inconsistent, but yes, I'd also come at it from the perspective. You mentioned my beat writing past, and, and uh, you guys have been able to avoid this, but generally when you're writing a, game story on a major league game you don't even really if you're doing a little tweeting in the early innings you're mostly focused on the ice cream that you brought up from the media dining room and then and around somewhere around the sixth inning you kind of like you look up you're like okay well because if you start writing too early you're gonna you're just gonna have you're gonna write two or three stories so you generally wait until about the seventh inning before you actually even you know, you're keeping score. I mean, you're not like under the table or something, but you're keep you're paying attention, semi paying attention. You're answering emails, whatever, uh, and uh, and then you know. So the whole rhythm of the coverage will be off. I predict that many of the stories written on these seven inning games uh, will be horrendous. So um, I don't know that mine would be. So it's um, I I just they can't roll that back soon enough. Yes, I just I just also hate like Kimball said that they use a pandemic as an opportunity to ram these things down our throats that they've been waiting to try to, again, as I pointed out in a previous podcast, I'm not interested in trying to win over people who aren't really interested in baseball to begin with. I, I mean, some will come along, but it is a generational thing and it is a an acquired taste and, it, and, it, and the game's doing just fine at $11 billion a year without having to reinvent itself as as some quick twitch uh shock value you know social media era you know just uh, just freak show that's what they're going to everything is a freak show and um i'm not i'm not down with that as the young people would say i'm just not and i don't i'm just not gonna go along so uh what else do we have to add on the seven inning thing what else uh uh could possibly well when you I'm cover just surprised it. that Kimball who has already who has already said that that uh, he gets he kind of gets bored and miserable in the late late innings <laughs> yeah. of a baseball game why I I was expecting him to support this 100% so we get to go home earlier <laughs> Hey do scouts do the scouts get up in the at the top of the 7th if uh, if they think that that's uh, you know the the, the the second game of the doubleheader do they leave early in the 7th also like they do in the ninth? <laughs> Scouts are there to evaluate players. We don't care about the 
score of the game, the results of the game. No, so but to beat the traffic. If, if can we, you... We've seen what we need to see. We've seen... The people who pitch and pitch and hit in the ninth inning are not important. No. They're, they're much less important well, than the people who pitch and hit Mike's in the first inning. Come on. Kimball insists, this is, we've been around on this over on it for years. He insists that they don't really need, that none of the scouts need to see that ninth inning because they know what the closer has. And even if he blows I it, it doesn't really that. matter. And it's more important, he said one time, that they that they get to the parking lot before all the fans and get back to the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that's the craziest thing ever. It's just crazy. That's the only sport people there to analyze every movement of every million dollar piece on the field decide that they need to beat the traffic. It's the only sport where that happens. You know it's true. Well, this is a three-point range. Uh, we are somewhere in the 30s now. This might be episode 31. And uh, if you've been with us for all 31, um, what is wrong with you? But no, also you could sh- spread the word a little bit because we're doing a sub stack, I believe. I think we still have the sub stack where there's a three-point range content uh, factory. And we have a three-point range Facebook page, which is mandatory. Uh, if you have a podcast, you have a Facebook page. We come at you via the anchor.fm uh, hosting world. And then we're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google, all sorts of things. Uh, and uh, we're just winging it. Sometimes Tim scripts it and beautifully, but then I, you know, I just like to wing it. And then Kimball's, I don't think Kimball scripts it necessarily, but he does get to say things here. He doesn't get to say anywhere else. And I think all the scouts that I just insulted, I'm sorry guys, but uh, maybe, you would like to listen next week to see, uh, you know, what, how, how can we get Kimball closer to the danger zone? So that's that's what we do here. <laughs> Video might happen. Uh, I still think that that segment would be good. So it's time for the third point, and uh, that's mine. And I'm going to make this up now as I go. No, I had several candidates. It had nothing to do with with obituaries this week. There are several candidates. One of the things that struck the radar was the. Well, this is kind of a, a death, the death of the Dodger dog. Well, they're calling it the Dodger dog, but it's not the Farmer John Dodger dog anymore because I don't know what happened there. But uh, it's very it's very sad that uh, they would mess with perfection out there. Everything else they do is just about letter perfect. Um, there were some other things that, that crossed my radar, but the thing, I, another, <laughs> oh, the NFL, the NFL draft coming up. What is your point, Kimball, young man? <laughs> Kimball had the whole has the whole Zach Wilson thing, and we haven't heard how he really feels about Zach Wilson. But I don't want to talk about that. I'm going to just say the pioneer. I'm going to pile on with the baseball rule thing and be grumpy old man yelling at Cloud again. Uh, and I'll just say the Pioneer League is now an independent league, so this softens it a little. But it just came out today. This is fresh, fresh abomination for us of baseball abomination. And you guys probably saw this, but the idea that Pioneer League games will not play extra innings. They will just have a home run derby, but they're not even going to call it home run derby because that's probably copyright protected. They're going to call it knockout or something. And (laughs) they're going to pick one player from each team. If the game is tied after their regulation game in the Pioneer League, one player from each team, five swings, and whoever hits the most, they win the game. So, um, 
it's just another example of bait. I and mean, what is next? If you're calling it knockout, you're going to decide it by that. And all I could think about, I had to look up the name of that John, a horrible John Cena hosted show that we had to keep seeing promos for during the NCAA tournament. That's wipeout. But we're at baseball at various levels is getting closer and closer to something only John Cena uh, could announce. And it's bothering me. Really is bothering me. I just, I think I mean, it's accelerating. That's the other thing. It's like it's not like they could they just have that COVID year. Uh, obviously, we're still in the throes of it to a large extent around the world. Another wave coming, it seems like. But they they continue to use this horrible misfortune as an opening to throw every cockamamie idea off the wall at any level they can think of. And um, I, I don't even want to watch any of that. You know what? I'm I'm kind of determined not to watch baseball right now. What I'm doing is listening to baseball. I made sure that this is another sub point here. Uh, <laughs> next time we'll come out. We're going to come out next time with uh, maybe a ranking of our favorite radio voices in baseball. Updated rate listening. But um, what a value. This is one thing I can praise baseball for. What an incredible value that for 10 cents a day, $3 a month, you can sponsor a small child in Africa. No, you can listen to baseball, any game you want. That's what it costs, $3 a month to just listen to the game. And so thank goodness for that. Tom Hamilton in Cleveland uh, is just a delight, always has been listened <laughs> to. And uh, I'll come out next time with my top five. I'll have my top five reasons to subscribe to Major. Do you guys, uh, that's for next week. So I had no point there other than I'm piling on. Duh. I don't like I don't like wipeout or knockout or okay, whatever okay. they're calling it. And are, what will you give me? What will you guys give me for David Palmer? He threw a perfect game. All right. Are you okay, Mike? I mean, no. I think you're you're a few no. years from just going off the grid here. <laughs> years? <laughs> Hours? <laughs> Wait a second. I'll try and I, I think. If we go with the point about home run derby, yeah, just okay. That. I want to use that as an extension to talk about like how you decide a game and settle it because I was talking to someone about this today. One of our loyal listeners, Joe McManus, who oh. listened last week and was talking about the rules thing. He's and one of our I, I don't think I don't think putting a runner on second is a bastardization of the game. I think. Uh, a home run derby is. You're not playing the same game. You're just upping the 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 chance of scoring you're upping the ante a little bit same way that hockey takes a man off the ice so that you're more likely to get a goal i would i would say that in 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 soccer they should do the same thing never go to penalty kicks because that's like that's not the game the game is not penalty kicks just take people off the field so there's more likely to be a decision you know because that, again that's the point is overtime goes on and guys get tired you you know and you need someone to score to settle it, you're less likely to get it when um, it's just open-ended and, and all the rules are in place. And that happens in baseball and it happens in hockey and it would happen in, in uh, soccer. It happens in soccer too. Um, so in basketball, you know- It happens you know, in baseball? They take players off the field? No, what, that would be I'm cool. Is, no, they but, should but, take but, players off Putting maybe play with on, six on six. There you go, that's but another idea. Putting you're way more likely to way score yeah, with only six defenders, that's, that's that would be nice, great. No, there you go. Mm -hmm. It's an idea, but um, mm -hmm. but but I do think that when you get to something like Homer Derby, that like oh, 
uh, that would be awful, awful <laughs> to see. And and Tim, what are your thoughts? And like you know, again, the the integrity versus the excitement, uh, you know, factor, especially when you talk to overtime. My fa- my favorite overtime in all sports, and I, I think this is one of the best things in all sports. Period. Right now, is is the hockey overtime. Right. The three on three. You you said they take a one one player. Well, they yes, they actually take two, two, oh, and they play three v three with goalies, and for five minutes to see if they can decide it. And I'm I I believe it is the most exciting five minutes of sports anywhere, anytime, any place in just like a regular season game. I mean I'm I'm taking the the World Cup out of it, and you know the hundred yard dash in the Olympics, that sort of thing. But uh, but just in, in terms of deciding a regular season game, because they don't do it that way in the they won't do it that way in the postseason. It's the best, absolutely the best. Um, would I like a home run derby? No. Um, you know, I, I guess the best way I could suggest deciding a baseball game short of dodgeball would be would be uh, a game of, of 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 chess, express chess. I think would be the best way to go. You can put, they have games that you can play chess um, where you only get five minutes to make all of your moves. And if you, if you, if the game isn't over after five minutes, then uh, whoever has spent their time first loses. Um, I forget what it's called, but it would be a great way to, to decide the winner of a baseball game, just as good as a home run derby. <laughs> How would you do that? <laughs> you you could pick your chess. best play. You could, each team could pick their best chess player, oh, bring them out to home plate. Put put a board down and let's get it on. It's the true. It's the as we've discussed. It is the only only true pure sporting event anyway. So let's you know, let's decide it that way. Not even a sport. All right, back to Mike. Are you there, Mike? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, my my son asked me an interesting question uh, recently. Uh, he said, "Is Mike's based- still trying to figure out what his point is." He's, he's he going to get there. He's going to get there. Dan, keep talking, Daniel, you'll get there. Daniel, who's played plenty of baseball, and I've dragged him around to spring training and stuff, and I don't know that he pays attention to baseball now, but he asked me a good question. He said, uh, is baseball, how is baseball doing? Is baseball doing all right? And uh, I didn't know how to answer that because as a, as a uh, business entity, it would seem to be doing just fine. How do you want to measure it? You know, is it is it is it the overall value of the industry, franchise value off the charts. Um, I, I, on the, in the overall, I can't imagine. I mean, I do realize that uh, some team, every sport lost money, even Liverpool lost gobs of money last year in, in a pandemic year. So I don't measure it by that. I think the ultimate deal is, is uh, you know, the value of the industry, the overall value of the franchises, that'll correct itself. Your TV contracts, massive. I don't really see the problem. I don't know why there needs to be all this experimentation. What, um, you, you, can improve to talk about it. you can improve it. Just, I, it just it doesn't have to be a catastrophe. And it doesn't be a problem. It it's like there's no problem with the NFL. No problem with the NFL, but they tinker with the rules and try and make it a better product every year. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. And I think that's all baseball is trying to do, honestly. Baseball baseball is 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 newspapers, but it but devolving at a slower pace. It will it will last a lot longer than 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 the newspaper industry, but but it's going to continue to devolve, as we discussed with my maybe maybe right or wrong uh, well, 
student student uh, dictum that there was that the average baseball that, fan that's is just 50, not true. 57 years it's old. That's not true. It's silly. No, but uh, that give that child give that child a D. But um, mm -hmm. I would that's just lazy. The point uh, the point is that kids don't watch baseball and they're not going to watch baseball when they get older. So where are we headed? I think people follow baseball more than they watch it. You know, it's a great thing. Like people like follow baseball and it's amazing. Minor league stadiums draw, you know, like if you think about baseball, football, you have, you know, a handful of games you have to draw people to. Baseball, the same stadium often 81 times, not eight, 81 times you're filling that. Plus you have all their affiliates are putting people in the seats. I mean, baseball is really, really popular. It's just not maybe you know, television ratings popular as much as other sports or, you know, like the NFL. But especially when you think it's getting a lot of little shares. I mean, you could watch a baseball game every night for small shares, but again, once a week, tune into Monday Night Football. So baseball's in great shape. Market Spoken the, by, I would just say market by the a man whose life depends on it. Mm -hmm. Well, right. market the personalities. Let us know, especially those who, where English is the second language, find ways that we get to know who they are because increasingly they're the most dynamic players in the game. Uh, and stop knocking them, as Scott Boris once said, kicking the Campbell's soup can down the aisle, which happens too often at contract negotiation time. Look what happened. The Red Sox treatment of Mookie Betts was uh, antithetical to how you grow the game. And they're climbing out of it here, but it may take them a – a decade to fully outrun that decision. They, they had all the money in the world and they chose to, to uh, not, not to to pay Mookie Betts his market value. And he's every bit as good as Mike Trout and the Dodgers have a championship and, and they, they, they deserve it because they stuck their neck out for him. Um, I think that was his point, Tim. Yeah. That was so, it? That was, that was that it? Was okay. The, uh, I, I guess that I had a whole flurry of them. They're, they're more mini- I mean, they're just a thousand points of light for you. And um, I hope that uh, one of them will stick with our listeners and give you something to think about for the coming week. Well, that's our show. And oh, I admire yeah. your preparation, by the way. That was that was impressive. And before we go, we have to yeah. we have to congratulate Kimball, the first the first host of three point range to win an Oscar. Well yes. done, Kimball. <laughs> How about that? Where are you going to put it? Uh, mm -hmm. I, I'll have to see if, if they mail it to me after all, and then uh, I'll figure out where to put it. Yeah. Uh, did you get it? Uh, did you get one also for that uh, thing when the where you play with Judge Judy or whatever that was? We are straying so far, listeners. <laughs> I feel for you. That was supposed to be just a quick little wrap up thing. Oh, I, I wasn't trying to open oh. up a can of worms. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's it. Because this is the only time we get to talk, you know, so that sometimes it's just uh, real life flows into the show. It's the only <laughs> time we talk. So that's it. I'll go back into my hovel and I'll continue being depressed. Everyone have a great <laughs> week. This is uh, for Kimball Crosley, for Tim Crothers, the career killer. Uh, this is Mike Berardino thanking you for listening and we'll see you next time.